We have a new sponsor of ROAS. You are not your ROAS is happy to welcome our primary sponsor, retention.com. If you love money, you're going to love retention.com. You'll hear more about them later in a bit. Until then, enjoy this episode of You're Not Your ROAS exclusively on the Triple Whale Network. When I get to that edge of like, I this is too much for me to handle, I'm not going to make it. And I remember that this universe came from nothing, is going into nothing. I'm a blip, a, like not even a speck. I'm a mist yeah. passing through yeah. momentarily. I am so small and then I go, so like, I just don't need to take it that seriously. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of You Are Not Your Roaz. When I saw this one on the calendar, I, I've been hunting this guy down for for months, maybe even over a year. Uh, he is one of my content muses. I actually got to meet him. I have a really good vibe check, and I got to meet him. We met, I think, almost over a year ago. He was in Austin. We ended up uh, bumping up against each other at a conference, and I just knew I just knew this was a friend for life. This guy has a brain and a heart bigger than anything I can think of and just an incredibly talented uh, content marketer, just marketer in general. Welcome to the show, Aaron. How are you, my friend? Well, I'm doing great now. Oh, and I, for I forgot to plug the the best looking guy in SEO. Or, oh, or yeah. How did I bury the lead? Let's hang on to that one. Yeah, uh, that'll be the Easter egg. We'll, we'll drop in. Yes. Unbelievable. Yeah, verified. Verified. Uh, verified. Uh, go, go Google it, people. This is this is not <laughs> me being laudatory. This is this is the real deal here. Um, oh, right. No, talking about vibe check and connecting. I think that was a Pep Lejaz event. Pep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh. Yep. Man, I just, what was so fun about that and now here is, right, like, I I finally just get to embrace my full-throated love of you and yours because we're no longer, like, quasi-competitors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll dig into that a little bit. But, no, I have had, like, I couldn't even help myself. I broke the rules back in the day watching what you've been up to of like, I, I think we should track this down. I've got a tweet out there somewhere that literally lists out all the ways Triple Whale is better than me at marketing. <laughs> and there was, there, this is like, like so, are you talking, yeah, yeah, big head, big, big head, heart. Head. I don't know. Like big brain is what you said. I say big head. Uh, man, it is, it's actually, yeah, it's really a delight. So we can talk about some of that stuff, uh, as well today, because, uh, that was just basically my attempt to be like, I got so much jealousy and envy that what the hell am I going to do with it? Except just put it out there and be like, this is what it is. This is why, this is why they're better than me. So delighted to be here with someone of your caliber. Oh, look at that dirty pool gassing me up. So I'm going to be soft on you in the rapid fire. Oh man, this guy, this guy knows he's, he's ready for it. Um, so for people that don't know you, who live under a rock in marketing or whatever, how how did you even get into the marketing game? Kind of give me the the too long didn't read of of yeah. the evolution of Aaron, if you will. Yeah. So Aaron didn't grow up in a religious home, but he had what at the time he would have described as a conversion experience. Yep. Uh, which is a word I'll use throughout this time together yep. today. When he was about eighteen, nineteen years old, uh, got an undergraduate degree in English. Uh, Enlisted in the military, got deployed a couple of times, and on really? one of the deployments, yeah, one of those deployments, I was in the Middle East, no place too scary, uh, but I was in the Middle East post September 11th because I'm old, I'm 40, I'm 40 years old, yeah, I'm old people, same, yeah, same, same, Still same. Good looking, but, but old, but it's got old but spry, 
I was on a, a deployment in the Middle East and I just happened into some books on like real meaty old school theology and it yes. lit me up. Uh, and that whole like big brain thing, it just fed into exactly that kind of, it spoke my language with that old school, hard thinking, yep. philosophical, theological, exegetical, hermeneutical, we could really get on it. So I went I to went seminary to sem in a previous life. I, I have what's called a master's of divinity. Did you know this about me? I did. I actually had to look up the sheer, uh, Is that what it's called? I had to look that up. I, yeah. I, remember, I was like, wow, this is cool. Yeah. Cause it says, uh. I, I do a little brief on uh, all the people that come on the show, and I, I didn't I didn't know the deployment. She missed that, so I got to get on my assistant for that. But uh, I did have the her say it one more time. Hermeneutics, hermeneutics. Yeah. yeah. I'm a so so I have, a, I have a master's in divinity that with an emphasis in hermeneutics, which basically means that it's a fancy word for an interpretation of texts. Yep. How to read and understand words. Uh, but if they call it hermeneutics, they get you to pay a lot more money for it, right? <laughs> And then I also have uh, an emphasis in homiletics, which is another fancy word for speaking. So I, I thought I thought that was our Aaron Orndorff's life. Uh, went to seminary. I was working here in the Portland area where I still live at a multi-site campus church, teaching on Sunday mornings, Wednesday afternoons, evenings, that sort of stuff. Uh, I, I was like deep in it. And then my life imploded about 12, 13 years ago. Uh, continued to go downhill for another two and a half years and then absolutely flatlined a decade ago. Literally a decade ago this February, which also overlaps with, this will give you an idea of everything that went down, also a decade of continuous sobriety for myself. So very that cool. gives you like a little hint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, did a very successful job of burning down that previous life uh, and found myself unemployed and unemployable at the time, Southern Oregon, middle of nowhere, Klamath Falls is what was called. So I threw up a website. I knew I could write. I knew good writing covered a multitude of sins. I thought I could write and communicate better than a lot of people who were trying to sell things online in various forms. And I made a big bet, started teaching at the local community college as well at the same time where no I taught way. a little Professor bit of writing. Of Let's speaking. go. Yeah. And so those two sort of new career trajectories both took off at the same time. And the marketing stuff really amped up over the first two, three years. I wrote like a madman Yep. for those first two, three, like a madman because I had no credentials, no clients. And I just, the whole idea was how do I fake my way into getting people to give me that money? to write for them. And so what I did was I wrote complete full articles uh, that I would reverse engineer for places like Forbes, Business Insider, Fast Company, like just a who's who on the marquee side of things. And then I also wrote, this is how I got connected with Pet back in the day. I wrote for Conversion Excel, yeah. Content Marketing Institute, Copy, Blogger, like all the niche, Unbounce. And it opened doors that I had no business walking through because I would reverse engineer what's popular, how does this work, what's the word count, how do they use images, and then I would just hand over these full articles, cold, cold, going into all of these publishers, and I'd be like, here, I wrote this for you. Interlinks to all of their popular articles as well, and if that didn't work, I would just change okay. the interlinks and, and a little bit of the structure, send it off to the next one, send it off to the next one, and I did that for the first two to three years, and that's how, like, that's how Aaron Orndorff, the marketer, was born. That is a crazy story, dude. I didn't know about that arc at all. Yeah. It's always, it's it's so interesting to, this is one of my favorite parts of the podcast is um, when I talk to all these successful people, you 
you a lot of times build it up in your head right of like oh they had it easy or like th this that and the other and like of course they're so good because they were lucky blah blah and then nine times out of ten you hear this just like absolutely i don't want to say a horror story but uh Dude. almost like 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 the joseph campbell like hero's journey almost Dude. right like a lot of these people had to go dark into the depths to actually find the light it's it's so fascinating call it a horror story for me no that absolutely listen man when i launched my website i was living in a room i rented from a dude off craigslist <laughs> i i've done done the same to be fair <laughs> like dude like that's like i went from home family like dude, dude it just, just all i smile I, about it now and maybe that's like a good thing is some of the distance and the time and healing yeah. wounds and just like what else are you gonna do except like yeah it was dark as hell but it was in in a lot of ways i think that's um i don't know call this lesson number one the key to success key to success is ignorance and desperation and what I mean by that is I didn't know how hard it should actually be. So ignorance helps a lot when you don't know what you don't know. And so you're willing to just do things yep. and inspiration. So yep. during that time, uh, I don't, I don't freak with this too much anymore, but what I used to tell myself, uh, every time I'd send off something to a new publisher or to a new client, and I knew I had no business in, in either realm, I literally mumble under my breath before I hit send, let's get rejected. Yeah. That was my jam where that yeah. desk was just like, I'm going to make getting a no the goal. And if I hardwired rig my brain and my heart in those directions, then I win no matter what, because like, let's get rejected. Let's just, let's just go get rejected. Ignorance and desperation, uh, can get you a long way in life. Yeah. They say, uh, what is that? Necessity is the mother of all invention type of stuff where, I, and I would call Ignorance can sometimes be a pejorative, and I know you're not using it in that sense, but I would almost call it like a naivete of just like, you don't know the odds against you. And you see that through line in almost all of entrepreneurship, because yes, usually entrepreneurs are very uh, intellectually, you know, vivid, like they're there, but there's this one part of their brain that doesn't want to acknowledge reality, and yes. it can't, because if it did, the overwhelming, like... It, it's it's like buying a lottery ticket. And if you buy that lottery ticket with the the expectation of something, it's just not there. Like you have to almost will this thing into existence. But what's crazy, have you read the the Alchemist, the Paulo Coelho? Oh, so as a as a book lover, I have not. And I've lied and fake that I have. Dude, I'm just gonna tell you the truth. I'm gonna try to tell you the truth this whole time. I haven't. So anyways, the too long didn't read that. It's a it's a fantastic book. It's like this this i don't want to call it self-help because that's almost like is denigrating the actual work of art that it is but it's this really cool journey and the point i'm getting to is there's because i i had similar kind of ebbs and flows in my career where i i was one of the things about dark places and obviously you don't want to go through that but it really shows you who you are and then there's also kind of this floor right where it's just like Hey man, if I can get through that, like getting an article in Forbes, who gives a f like? Like I can do. So Good. I had a, a, my girlfriend at the time had cancer. My dad had cancer. My mom just died, and I was working at a job that I absolutely hated. Like all within a span of like three to six months, and it was like 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 you know real talk. Like I I was crying like almost every. And I, I'm not a crier, and it was like literally just absolute implosion of my life um and then you choose right like 
is this going to be me or am I going to figure out, you know, a better pathway forward for this life? Because that, that, you know, without getting too philosophical and religious, man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing 75 hard right now. Some, uh, part of that is reading books and I'm getting back to, I used to be really into meditation. I'm starting to get back into that. It's kind of that Buddhist bent. And like, the more you can allow gratitude to purvey your life and just penetrate every aspect of it, you realize, especially like in the Western world, right? Like if you're born in the States or the Western Europe, you're like leaps and bounds ahead of everybody already. And so um, anyways, the too long didn't read about the Paulo Coelho stuff was there's a, a line in there that when you actually go for, and I'm paraphrasing, but like when you actually go for something and commit to something wholeheartedly where it's like, I'm burning the ships, I'm either making it inland or I'm going out on my shield, the universe starts to conspire with you. And things, when you start living your truth, and again, this sounds hippy-dippy and stuff, so you, you, you have to, you know, we'll get into really fun tactical stuff, but when you start living your truth, the universe, like everything starts to become easier. And I don't know if it's actually easier, but equipping yourself with that mindset like the universe conspires to help you achieve that goal and see and i'll take anything so i mentioned right didn't grow up religious had what i and i, yep. I use that phrase what i would have called at the time uh, a conversion experience and i'm no longer a part of organized religion so that's yep. like I'm, I'm sort of like this but it's the mental framework that i've got it's, yep. it's definitely part and parcel of my fabric now it's so built in but the, the truth is, I will take anything that helps me be right-sized and not take myself right. too seriously. Yep. So you're describing right there. We call it the universe. I talked to a really good friend of mine who he and I came up together uh, over the last decade, like really close dude, uh, going through some stuff as well. I shared with him what I'm going through, like literally right now, there's stuff. There's always stuff going on. There's always stuff. And the way he described it is, he was like, you know where I find my solace is in absolute nihilism i was like what do you mean he's like when i get to that edge of like i this is too much for me to handle i'm not gonna make it and i remember that this universe came from nothing is going into nothing i'm a blip a, like not even a speck i'm a mist passing through yeah. momentarily i am so small and then i go Whoosh. so like i just don't need to take it that seriously and it hit me yep. in that moment about how that's that's that gift of like having yourself connect to something way bigger than you is no matter what we call it or dress it up as. And I would still dress it up as God, even though I'm not a part of organized religion. It's yep. that it's just it shrinks me back to a place where like I am not the center of this universe because when I am, I I'm like it's like that fucking title of this podcast, right? I yep. am my success. I yep. am the numbers. I am so tied and so driven to my work that when that stuff doesn't do what I want it to do, sleepless nights, upset stomach, doubting my freaking existence. And the challenge is to go back to those times where you were exposed to something that was far realer than that, what you just described, and then just chill the out. Yep. It's like, you're, oh, you're so right. Gratitude in all of that. I didn't expect to have this conversation. This is fantastic. It's great. I'm all, I'm all fired up. I hope everybody else is listening. It's not too too deep in the weeds, but I, I think it's important because th there's a couple, like, I think your environment is everything. And so when I changed what I wanted in my life and where I wanted to go, um, you know, candidly, I had to cut some people out of my life that were not that they weren't 
good people, but you have to find the people that for me, it's, if you're not making me money, you're not making me laugh or you're not, I'm not learning something from you. It's like, man, I don't know. I, those are the kind of people I want in my life. And once I started doing that, there was just things that happened where my dad had a, a old saying and it, it sounded stupid when I was a kid, but then you realize sometimes how wise your parents can be. And he said, if you have cows, hang out with people that have cows because you'll never forget to feed them. I never kind of really understood what that meant. And then as I grow a little older and older, I was like, oh, I get it. Because when these people have the same priorities as you, not only do you, I, I don't know if you've had that before, but as you start to attain some success with kind of your old or and your older peer group hasn't, because I grew up in the Midwest. So, you know, there, there's just a different level of ambition. And again, not a judgment, just is what it was. Um, you can kind of sometimes come across braggadocious where it's like, oh, look at what I'm doing. When it's not that, you're just trying to share experiences with your friends. And so I, I think really understanding that your environment is everything. And the other thing that I've uncovered when I talk to really successful people, it's not like these people are incredibly disciplined. What they did was, I, I believe people are a path of least resistance kind of creature. And what yes. they did was they made the thing that they wanted to accomplish be the easiest decision in the decision set. And so True. it wasn't like they were this crazy disciplinarian. It was just that they had built a routine and a lifestyle and feedback loops that could then support their goals to become a better human every day, every day. I think that, and I know I'm rambling here, so I want to get your thoughts, but the the idea of success for me, what really changed was consistency. Like you were saying, just showing up, right, 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 like sharpening the sword every day. Because if not, you, you get to a place of like, again that kind of nihilistic viewpoint of nothing matters blah, blah blah everything matters like we're on this glorious earth it's this crazy miracle we have this piece of glass that's a half inch thick that can communicate with the world like the way doordash is on your phone like you have more meal options than every medieval king i mean and so i, I think anyway the gratitude is the path for me it really can help and the other thing that i'll say is to your point of like, when I get stressed out, I have a little, little stow. I'm a big stoic guy and it's not important. It's not forever. And it's not personal. But when something really annoys me, I'll just repeat that to myself over and over and over again. And it kind of brings me back to your point of like, we're on this pale blue dot, man. Let, let's get every minute out of every day. And at, at most, you know, at least try and be present as much as possible. Cause that's the, the biggest regret I have in my tenure at CMO was that I didn't enjoy it. Like I did, I did so many cool things and I was always living in the future, always chasing growth, always what's the next thing. And I, I didn't really stop to see the mile markers and enjoy the view. And not that you can stay there forever, but I think it's really important that when you are building something really incredible that every now and then you have a check-in of like, Hey man, this is really awesome. What we're doing here. Like let's, let's cherish this. Big idea number two. Big idea number one is desperation and ignorance. Big yep. idea number two, consistency is a superpower. What you just said about that, dude, live by it. One foot in front of the next. Stumbling, shuffling, limping, however you need to do it. One foot in front of the next. What is the next right thing? The smallest next right thing I can do. Miracles are born when you walk yep. that path. That yep. is, and it's so not, it's so easy to see the big things that other people yes. share and the milestones. 
because you're just getting a snippet or a glance into it. And it just comes down to what is the next thing on my to-do list that really matters that can I can make an impact in, personal and professional. Because if all you do, dear listener, <laughs> if all you do is show up having done the thing you said you were going to do when you said you were going to do it, listen, you beat 95 to 99% of everybody else who's competing with you out there. You Because it's yeah. so rare that people do that. It's so unbelievably rare. Focus and consistency, I would say those are the two things that will really, really just expedite anything that you're trying to do. Having the, and I and I'll also say too, because I, I totally agree with you, I'm not religious either. I used to be a huge atheist and I've swung back to uh, more spirituality. I have uh, We won't have yeah. to get into stuff, but I have my own qualms with organized religion, but I actually think religion is beautiful. And I think there's just so much wisdom in a lot of those frameworks and really the big three are kind of the the same story just different versions of that story um well, i'll tell you so for me the beautiful overlap between my two worlds the two worlds of Aaron Norndorp, like uh seminary military on this one end huge cliff everything falls apart marketer in the second act who knows i'm gonna be for my third act is what united those two was while I was in those religious circles, I was really, really, really fortunate to get connected to people for whom the goal wasn't to rally the base or preach to the choir. Yes. It was to communicate in order to affect change, which is a massive difference. Whether oh. you're thinking about politically, religiously, or even in sales and marketing, it's if your goal is to communicate goal is to affect change with your words, then that means you have to crawl inside the mind and heart of your audience. And you don't create desires. What you do is you attach the thing that you're trying to sell, the thing you're trying to get them to say yes to, to the desires, the fears, the needs, the hopes, the wants, the story that they already inhabit. And you're not yes. asking them to come over to your side. Your job is to go out there and get inside what they already want and say, ah, I can articulate that really clearly and in, in like in a way that the way the way i like to think about it is the very first line in anything i ever write the entire goal of it is to get the nod yep and the nod means it's it, it well it's one of two things either the nod or the hard stop then and, and the nod is it's just a simple opening line that is slip and slide easy to consume and all they do is go yeah right so like for example uh, on our new homepage. I love this. It's, uh, you know how you suspect you're overpaying for SMS marketing? You don't yep. really come with the results. Yep. And every time I betted that with somebody, they're like, yeah. Yep. You haven't convinced me of anything, but I got the nod. Yep. So like, yeah. That is the state I'm living in. Right. And so that's the, it's the nod or it's the hard stop where you say something so provocative and so outlandish that the person either wants to fight you or hug you. And that's Ooh, I the like, I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's a really interesting framework. Do you ever combine the nod and the hard stop? I try to do it. No, I I, okay. I, I almost always defer to the nod because yeah. I'm also just not that provocative of a guy. Right. But the person I would see this do constantly. And the reason I loved working in Common Thread Collective, we got to get into like sort of the, yeah, where I've been. It, yeah. yeah. But is Taylor Holiday is yeah. so effing good at the hard yeah. stop. And you know, you're smiling already, right? Like this is, 100%. if you don't follow Taylor, like go, that dude is so fire when yeah. it comes to, and I think that's like, 
95% of his approach to social media is that let's hurts. just make people mad and then actually talk to him in the comments. It's that's where I learned the most of like, he just comes off with like, never turn off an ad. Yeah. You're like, what? That's absolute bull. What? It's like, yep. no, never turn off an ad. And then you got to fight him and like come to a different sort of conclusion. Right. Yep. Yeah. That no, Taylor's probably the greatest representation of this where he, it's almost like, and again, like I love Taylor. I think he's brilliant, but it's almost just like a, an intellectual, like, inch above like like it's just like like it, it, he's so good at it like it, 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 it and to be fair like uh i haven't actually had like really personal deep conversations with taylor we've we've connected on back channels but not at like a, a depth that we have and stuff like that but i i would say that um i do think that is one of his not only superpowers but also um when you have that sometimes like sometimes walk like a duck talk like a duck sound like a duck it's a duck and taylor will have this like huge contrarian take and he can sometimes in my opinion like over make things overly complex where sometimes things are just simple like and it's it's a hard story to sell people um but i love taylor and that's a such a perfect description of him that the hard stop that he is the king of the hard stop that's a that's a that's a really cool framework i've never heard that before it's, it's really helpful and it, and it gets me to where it makes for simple openers that um they they appear so much there's so much weight being carried by that headline into first line into second line because i'm yep. a writer so i've got a hammer i'm a carpenter everything's a nail sort of thing i'm a words dude at the end yep. of the day but it's the same thing for ads for emails subject line into first line into preview text into dot 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 for landers etc all those pieces are you're walking somebody through that journey and that's where that overlap you know the the idea of crawling inside their mind and forcing yourself to articulate their position better than they can and then reattaching what they think they want to a new object but it's the same desire you're not creating desire you're channeling it i totally love that i almost have like as you described that like a mental model of these people are on kind of the idea train right and they're consuming stuff and if you can get ahead of them build some tracks but then you can build a little switcher and then you can, instead of going left and then they get on your track and they can go right. And then they end up in your area where you're, cause you're right there. There's a certain aspect of you come across judgmental, condescending, etc. It, you, you can't, there's a line where it's like, I can't hear you over your yelling. Like I, I it, like you can't, people don't listen when you're yelling kind of stuff. And so being able to empathize with them, connect with them, understand to your point, fears, anxieties, like, why are you feeling this way? What are the things that are driving those those feelings. And then if you can mash it up and, and wrap it in a narrative, because that's the other thing that I think uh, one of the kind of hills I'll die on is I think people experience the world in stories. Yes. And then the the corollary to that is I don't think people have any kind of countermeasures to an incredibly compelling story, whether it's true or not. And that, that's why I think where religion gets into a really incredible place of like that, that story is just so compelling. And to your point, if you can sprinkle in and lean on some of their already core beliefs or et cetera, et cetera, where you're not going against their kind of internal um, beliefs, if you will, um, it gets into some really interesting places. But with that being said, you know, with great, uh, what is it, with great responsibility or with great power comes great responsibility kind of stuff where at the end of the day, like marketing is, you know, for lack of a better term, a manipulation of someone. 
However, for me, the the distinction there is, are you giving them value? Are you making their life better yeah. having consumed this piece of content or having bought this product? And then it doesn't get as weird for me because it's like, hey, you're, you're helping this person. But um, yeah, man, I, that's a really, what a crazy, crazy journey. Okay. So you get, you get through the darkness, you start slanging articles, and then how did you land your gig at Shoppies? Yes. It was actually through writing for Conversion XL. CXL now, where Pep oh, used to be. Go, Pep. Yeah. It was, it's the wildest. I used to use this old SaaS tool that no longer exists where I could enter a URL into it. It would scrape all of the names and connect them to a Twitter account. And it was about 75% hit rate. And then I'd load that up Ooh, into wait. something like Buffer and I would drip out every two yeah. hours at so-and-so. I included you in blank. Here's a link. Can you make sure I quoted you right or something like that? And so it would look like it was an at and it was, it was an at. So it wasn't public. It looked, it felt personal. And I didn't even know yeah. who this guy Tommy Walker was. Turns out Tommy Walker was previously the editor in chief at Conversion XL. And he'd really built it up with Pep. And he built it up to such a point okay. that he ended up being the first marketing hire for Shopify Plus. That was right after Shopify was about to IPO. They had graduated from yep. a whiteboard of how do we not lose our biggest clients to an actual CRM. And they hired Tommy to yep. launch the site. So Tommy sort of amassed this small little mini army of writers. It was a random it was just, it was a random SaaS based tweet that I didn't even know this dude. He wrote back to it and we met the next week. He brought me in as a freelancer. Then Shopify plus hired Hannah Baza as their director of marketing. And I was the third hire for full time there. And again, this is one of those pieces wow. of like consistency. I don't know how many of those, those goofy auto tweets I sent out. I, I, 100, 200, brilliant. 300 over whatever period of time I was doing that. One of them hit, got me in the room with Tommy. And that's how I ended up Shopify plus Shopify plus had I joined Shopify core, I could have been a lowly blogger and ground out my yep. time for years, for years. Yep. But because yep. Shopify plus was just getting off the ground and I was the third hire there. By the time we all got together, there was like four or five people in the room for the marketing offsite. Wow. And by the time I left four years later, it was like 30, 35, 40. I don't know how wow. many people they have now, but I was just there at the right time. Tommy ended up leaving about six months into my full-time tenure there. They had nobody to run the trains. So I was like, I can schedule things. <laughs> I can assign stuff to writers. I can edit. So wow. I just stepped into doing that and I became editor in chief, started leading all written content at Shopify plus it's, I'd laugh about it because I often will say I'm not an e-commerce marketer, but I play one on the internet and that's sort of a pejorative way to undercut and protect myself against imposter syndrome in case anybody calls yeah. me on anything for sure. That's, that's yeah. part of what's going on there. But it's also, man, I just, I got this opportunity to have a front row seat and really get to spend time with these large growing businesses for those three and a half, four years and be responsible for a lot of things that again, I had no business, <laughs> no business being responsible. What for. a crazy cool story. And I love that too, because it kind of comes back to your um, desperation where there is kind of like a hunted hunter mindset. And the hunter is awesome, but 
But the thing about the hunter and the hunted is like the hunted only has to be wrong once. And the hunter can be, you know, gets multiple chances. And so I love that desperation because the prey, you're always trying to not die, but you only need to hit once. You know what I'm saying? And like that, that all those, like that, all those tweets, it didn't matter the volume because all you needed to do was one to land. And then that one lands and it lands at Shopify Plus. And then you end up moving in that area. Jeez. I mean, the, that's the old jobs quote. You can't connect the dots backward or forward. You can only connect them backward. Like who... What a crazy ascension. That's why I say one foot in front of the next, the next right thing. And I also so really identified wild. with make, make that thing easy. So like, for example, finding this tool is now the risky thing in all of that was like, there were times when it was embarrassing to put stuff out and have no one respond. Right. That's the, that's the trick is, and that's what I think holds a lot of people back too, is just that fear of, man, it, it's a grind to get started and it's even a grind to keep going often where you're just stuff's just not always going to hit and you just got to be okay and have that thick skin and not take yourself so seriously that it doesn't have to consistency well, I is what matters totally agree with you and again i think it's wrapping back to your second axiom of um ignorance where it's like let's let's just go man don't take yourself too seriously blast things out and I think that's what's also uh, really important when you think of, especially when you're just getting started, of more of like leading indicators or leading goals versus lagging goals. Because the lagging goals, like I want to get a shop, a job at Shopify Plus, or I want to do all this stuff, where it's like, okay, but like that's the same thing as like I don't, I don't want to be rich. I want to be rich. Okay, don't be poor. It's not like really like it's not advice, but having the idea of okay, cool, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write content. I'm going to surface this content to players in the space. And I'm going to keep doing that until something breaks through. Um, I love that, man. What a crazy story. Here's the wild the part. Wild this part. is so great. I, when I was coming up, I loved Buffer, especially Kevin Lee. Oh, me too. Yeah. Oh, like they, he was just like that. His, that one of the houses that blogs built was Buffer. Yep. They're phenomenal yep. at yep. their content. I applied four or five times to work at Buffer. I got rejected, I got rejected. every single time during that come up right and the great irony of that is like if i'd ever got accepted there to work full-time i never would have ended up at shopify plus okay. which opened the door to an amazing amount of consulting gigs and credibility in the industry that honed me also too it gave me that front row seat to really get in the guts and behind the scenes with these businesses that were on the cusp or they just broken through a lot of the relationships that were established i still lean on today that's what led me over to Common Thread Collective to, again, get fucking honed. You're talking about getting honed, getting sharpened, getting beat up, and getting better. Like, that was just advanced. That was like Harvard-level graduate school kind of stuff working there for two and a half years. But none of that would have happened if I got the thing I wanted. If I, ha if I, if I had got, if I'd got the thing I wanted any one of those four or five times instead of getting rejected, I wouldn't have got the thing that led to where we are today. Man, man, life is beautiful. That is what a fun. May we live in interesting times. Okay, crushed it for the big beast up north for the shoppies. And then how did you get to CTC? How did you get to Common Threat? Oh, so they they came into my DMs with all the yep. force and fervor that you would imagine Taylor <laughs> comes into someone's DM with. I connected with him and another wonderful <laughs> gentleman named Andrew Ferris. Uh, oh, runs... I love Andrew. Oh, they both. 
and they they handed over this piece of content they had written on Black Friday, and it was so head and shoulders above anything else I'd seen before from partners because I would get pitched from partners yep. all the time since I yep. held sort of keys to getting published on Shopify Plus, and a lot of the what are we going to include in our emails sort of things, and it was just almost absolute all garbage, thinly veiled sales pitches, and this was holy crap, this is a framework, this is creative thinking, this has illustrations to go with it. And I wrote them back trying to sort of not show, like play my cart of like, yeah, I'll take it. Like, can I have this? I will yeah. go. And like, I was just like, let's do it, right? So I connected with them while I was still the Shopify Plus. And then when I left, I uh, went back out into consulting at the end of 2019. They picked me up to do, ironically, a bunch of Black Friday content on their site. <laughs> Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> and then by the time 2020 hit, I'd been convinced to shut down my own thing, iconic content, like turn it off and all in as VP of marketing at Common Thread Collective. So I started there in March, uh, February, March of 2020 full time. And then of course that was right. Talk about a wild time. Yeah. A month later, COVID, the world shuts down, yeah. super uncertainty in e-commerce and then up into the right. Sure. Yeah. That absolutely rocket shit. Holy smoke, Sam. I love this. Um, okay, let's wrap up the main segment. What is the nicest thing someone has done for you? What is the nicest thing? Man, you know, okay, now that I'm on this, one of the hardest things I went through when I was at Common Thread Collective was I've always been a very analytical person. You can probably tell that if you've been exposed to anything. I, write. I love data. I'm the same way when it comes to marketing itself internally. And so I, I'd had our Google Analytics channels locked down, channels matching segments, matching goals. Yep. Uh, we were operating inside of HubSpot. So after the first six months, I thought I've got this lockdown. I can track MQLs. I can track where they're coming from. All right. And then Taylor rolled out this thing called the agency growth model. And it yep. was based off of Lightspeed's e-commerce growth model. And those two things eventually became this full-blown growth map that they still use. It's integrated into Statless and they still use it for their larger growth team clients. Really advanced stuff. Yep. And I wandered into this thing over like a weekend. I'd gotten assigned to fill it out for an offsite and I put it off, put it off, put it off. Weekend before I fly down to California, I finally go in to look at it. And I was immediately exposed to how little visibility I actually had into our marketing efforts. Yeah. That I couldn't tell you service by service, right? We only sold five things. You yeah. can buy growth team, media buying, email, SMS, or creative. And I couldn't tell you what people were coming in asking for or what they bought from a marketing okay. perspective. I couldn't tell you the volume. I couldn't tell you how soon it went from MQL to SQL to active deal to closed one or closed lost. It was just this brutal experience over about a 24 to 48 hour period getting ready to go down for this offsite where I was radically exposed to how little I knew about something I thought I knew a lot about. Yep. And I remember showing up down there that Monday and Taylor didn't judge me. He didn't throw salt in the wounds. It was just this like, okay, well, how do we figure this out together? That's beautiful. And I couldn't imagine, like I was in vice president of marketing, right? This is like, that's what I'm supposed to do. And I thought I was really good at it. And the yeah. nicest thing he did is he did it. This is, this is it. This is it. 
he didn't lower the bar. Love that. But he also didn't condemn me for not being able to hit it. It was like, how do we get you to the place you need to be? Yep. That is the nicest. Now, there's other nice things in my sure, personal sure. life that other people have done. Yes, 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 yes. But from a professional perspective, that's where it jumped in. And that was like, for me, that was not only an experience that shaped me at Common Thread Collective and really taught me so much about marketing itself. It also shaped me as how do I want to interact and have the people on my team experience me? To, to not lower the bar... Yep. and yet not condemn someone, it's such a wild razor's edge to try yes. to walk. And it's so yes. rare and hard. Retention.com is not only just sponsoring your night or ROAS, Retention.com is here to help you make more monies from your email campaigns. They're an amazing resource for marketers and you can see all their podcasts and resources right on their site, including the five fundamental flows you need to grow. Go check it out at Retention.com or in the link below. Now back to the show. Yes, I man, I I totally want to empathize with the uh, complexities of uh, services funnels. It's 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 a really uh, interesting time. That was one of the challenges that I had at Triple was being able to, especially too, because starting early on, like your dad is not in the best place, but trying to wrap narratives around what's going on on top of. What attribution model do you want to look at on top of what do you wait? You know, is it the person that gets the person to the party? Is that touch point really valuable? Is it the person that kicks them into the pool and they start giving you money? Is that touch point valuable? Is the podcast, the newsletter, the content that people are reading really valuable? Like being able to get visibility into that was, uh, or I think is the hardest challenge as a marketing leader where. At the end of the day, for me, I think of marketing, especially when you're in a leadership role as an allocation of capital, like how efficiently and effectively can I deploy this marketing spend um, to drive towards our business goals? And it That's is, it. it's a quagmire. It is very challenging. I've talked yeah. to big, bigger CMOs as well. And, you know, the, for lack of a better description, <laughs> it's more about getting better narratives and stories than it is actually trying to you know, intertwine the data because it's, it's, there's a lot of fuckery. It's very challenging. Like it's it a is. very convoluted funnel. And I think it's like, I, I often think that the job of a marketing leader, just like the job of any leader is to know just enough about everything underneath your purview, yes, underneath your scope of responsibilities to be able to call bull. Yes. And then if it's not, let the people do what they do. Yep. And it's that it's those two things of like, I've gotten bit before by not yep. knowing enough or paying close enough attention enough, especially with some paid media stuff that yep. I've, I've overseen before, where it was like absolute dumpster fire of a Google ads account. Yep. And I was sleeping on it from, for like two, three months and then coming in and realizing, holy, this is yep. like, this is hot flaming garbage. Yep. You get woken up to that. Fact, but if you just know enough to call and then if it's not, let them do what they're doing. Right. Totally. Cause it's, it's one of those pieces of like, uh, a rising tide lifts all ships. Yes. And so you've got to balance the, hey, let's try to get as accurate as we can on the measuring side and then make bets and just go and put stuff out and don't let this piece keep you from just freaking doing stuff over here. Oh, uh, uh, that's my love language. That's the one thing I think, not only in D2C, but also sometimes in B2B where if you're succeeding, don't stop the success just because you don't know why you're succeeding. Not to say that you shouldn't try and build 
higher resolution or more visibility into the system and understand why you're succeeding. But I see so many people all the time where it's like, oh, well, we're succeeding, but we don't know why. So we need to stop this and then figure out how we can succeed. I actually just had this tweet out where, uh, and this is super oversimplified, but again, I think the two roles of a marketing leader slash, uh, you know, VP, CMO, whatever, is either getting momentum or keeping momentum. Uh And then the second part is, again, that deployment of capital, which serves that either gaining momentum or keeping momentum. And I think those that like dichotomy is really the, again, the value add of the marketing leader of like, how can I keep people either using my product or in their headspace? Like for us, it's more about not only being in that decision set, but being the first decision in that decision set with D to C it's a little bit different because that's a, it's a much more linear conversion path. It's almost like, Oh, easy mode, right? Like you go, you go to B to B SAS. It's like hard mode. Now the thing with that is it's always greener. Yes. (laughs) On the other side of the Fair play. Like, oh my gosh. If I had a funnel that someone <laughs> converted, like, oh, holy crap. <laughs> oh, the clarity of <laughs> that. I, that. I know. I know that's super. It is. It's always green on the other side, but I, I'm convinced. I it's am too. so much easier to measure. I am too. I am too. I don't think there's a, the, the difficulty is probably the same, but the measurement is just, you can grab way more insight. It, and it's just, uh, it's just a different world, but. I love that, man. I love that. All right. You have a master content brand. You, you've been deep in the weeds. You cut your teeth at Shopify. You cut your teeth at C2C. Now you're at Recar. How do you think of content? How do you think of customer retention? Let's, let's peek into that big brand. I think of content in three stages. And especially when I came into Recar, the idea was we have to set a foundation Yep. It's built primarily and for people on, don't know, give us the elevator pitch for Recart. Recart is an SMS platform for Shopify businesses built to cost less, sell more, and drive real growth. That's heat. That's good. That's polished. Yeah. Landed. Fact, landed. We engineered That's efficiency good. at our core through five features no other SMS tool offers. And I can tell you this too. Well, let's here's go. the thing. This is fun. This is fun. Let's go. The only reason I know that is because of what I'm about to talk you through. The only reason I can say that. Because I I couldn't have said that two months ago even though I've been this. at Recart since about October, November of last I know, year. I try, I tried to get you. Uh, I, so I think about this in setting a foundation is yep. we've got to number one, decide what we're selling and who we're selling it to. Love that. Um, and so our first go at that was we're selling to people who aren't using SMS yet. Ooh, I like that. Because the data behind it, what we did is scraping through a bunch of different aggregators to find out who's got it enabled. And it's shocking, still not a majority, even among top 75,000 Shopify stores or 50,000 Shopify stores, it's going up and up and up at a pretty good clip. But when I first hit the shores of Recart, it was a wide open greenfield of about 15 to 18% of the top 75,000 Shopify stores, meaning they're viable businesses that can afford us weren't using SMS. So we built everything at that first layer as an educational play. Love that. Uh, from the homepage to going into the content we created, the SMS guides, going to campaigns, going to automations, going to statistics, going to examples. We just laid this foundation of what are the bases that we need to cover? And I think about that through a keyword driven perspective where I'm trying to balance two things on the one side, monthly keyword search volume. So I yep. can get top of the funnel organic traffic. And then the other is what are the opportunities that have really low or non-existent search volume 
But yep. high cost per click. Yep. And that's, that's because interesting. I, most I did, organizations added that on. Yeah. The cost most per organizations click is smart. bifurcate. They separate, and this is just as true in D 2 C as it is B 2 B. Yep. They bifurcate the organic brand building side of things. And you've got yep. a whole team that's creating content to do that in various forms. Native social in the case of D2C, a lot more than organic search. But you've got like one arm that's doing the brand stuff, that's doing the community stuff, that's doing the organic stuff. And you've got another arm that's doing all the paid stuff, the performance stuff. And because those two don't communicate with each other very well, nobody's behind the scenes of thinking about everyone's bidding on this particular keyword phrase. Nobody's building really good organic content for it. I bet we can take that over really? if That's all brilliant. we do, because they're just not. So I'll actually build content around uh, keywords that have no search volume, but have ads that are displayed page after page after page, or have a registered and high cost per click that's like five, ten, or greater than fifteen dollars. Then I know brilliant. money, right? So we we set that foundation. That's the first layer. Yep. To get it. The second then is basically like middle of the funnel. Okay, let's build out our mainstay nurture sequences yep. for people that come in but don't show intent to try to get them to show intent. Let's build out the pokes that show intent uh, primarily to get them into the room because right yep. now Recard doesn't have a self-service option. Yep. So it's got to, it, just like the time at Shopify Plus, it's get them into a room, get them into a room, get them yep. into the room. Right, that's like middle of the funnel activity. Uh, and then basically the the hone, hone, hone tip of the spear then is getting really clear about content and sales enablement and making sure those two are married the same way that organic and paid are married. So Beautiful. that's what I've really been up to in the first quarter because Q4, set the foundation, make the announcements, uh, work the connections I've got. Of that, course. Sort of, that was a lot of, of what, what went down. And then this quarter has been all about that tip of the spear re like getting into the sales decks yep. um, and the sequences not just the email series but the sequences that are sent yep. and creating templates for the sales folks to use and the bdr folks to use and making sure these are really coming together with that same what are the core features how do we differentiate what makes our strategy different those sort of pieces using that language that our icp our ideal customer persona is using to describe their challenges that's wonderful, man. I mean, that is as big brain as you get. I think there's so much wisdom there in those two marriages um, with the paid and the, because I think one of the challenges, and this this is usually a function of leadership, unfortunately, um, but one of the challenges, everybody wants to modularize marketing. You're in this silo, you're in this silo, you're in this silo. And I think that's a terrible way to think of it. I think of it more of like an ecosystem. And when you think of like an ecosystem, it's bananas that algae feeds the biggest mammal on the planet, the blue whale. And no pun intended or shout out triple whale. But these things need to work in this cohesive ecosystem. And if you if one thing in that ecosystem is broken, the whole thing falls over. Another way to think of it is like a car, right? Like if you have this super crazy sports car, but one of the tires is flat, it doesn't matter how big your engine is. It doesn't matter how amazing the transmission is. It matters like matters the product like you everything needs to be working in in this unison in this kind of symbiotic manner and i think the more you can bridge those link or make those linkages like you did at the at the foundational level and at the top level everything just works better going back to your rising tide kind of thing it's it's like once you get like for the ddc equivalent like once you get a really strong organic presence whether that be content or whether that be a great social presence or whatever 
everything just goes up. Like it's yeah. kind of the same thing as like having a great email or SMS, right? It's like once you nail those, like everything goes up. Paid looks better, traffic like everything looks better, and it's not because of one or the other, but to me, it's because of that linkage across the ecosystem that everything is starting to become this beautiful interdependence and it's driving you to, towards those goals. Again, really hard to do, especially as you get into a more complex company where you have to really get people to buy into the dream. And again, this is kind of coming down from leadership, but you get fiefdoms and then these fiefdoms, you get politics, yada, yada, yada. But in your position, it's great because not only are you driving the boat, but you you have some awesome leadership at Recart that trust you and like, hey, I'm not going to tell you how, like, I think one of the worst things you can do as a leader is not only tell someone what you need, but tell them how to do it. Like Uh-oh. for, for lower skill people that they need more direction, that's totally <laughs> fine. But when you're dealing with crushers and killers, whether it be your lieutenants or other fellow generals, like don't tell them how to do it. Just tell them what you need. The how to do it's what the money's for. <laughs> that's that's why you're paying these people. You know what I'm saying? You put that on a bumper sticker. That is right? good. that's a good line. Have you used that before? I, I don't know. I, I go to it every now and then, but that, that's what the money's for, right? Like, the, why are you paying me then? How to do how it to is do what it. the money's for. That's dope, dude. I'm yeah. stealing that. I'll quote you yeah. the first three times I use it, and then it's mine. Done. Done. A three, I'll, I'll take a three quote by it. Um, but yeah, I, so I, I don't know. I, I just think that the way you're systemically linking everything is going to just really reap rewards because not only that, there is a certain aspect too of, and I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but there's like all these incredible like brand touch points. And then there's like a couple stragglers. And yeah. this is kind of like the stopping in your track kind of thing that you're talking about, but not in a good way. You're like, wow, what's yeah. happening here? Like you hit that kind of like, you got outside the golden path and you're like, oh, this is weird. And that, you know, depending on how much brand equity you built up with that consumer, it can be a big turnoff where it's like they don't have their crap together. It really, especially rubber meets the road when that person gets into the room with whoever the representative is. For a sack. Yes. You, I mean, I just, I could see it on your face when I just said it. And that that's the, and so to have everyone or even to have a disconnect where you can have a place where it's really the sales arm that is outperforming the marketing arm. Yep. And marketing's just out there sort of doing that just pure organic. They don't have an eye to pay. They don't have an eye to how this differentiates. They don't have an eye to, it can happen in either direction. It honestly yep. can. And then it, it, that disconnect, it's just, it's really painful. No, I love that. Um, and it's such a brilliant way to think of it. How do you guys think of customer retention and how, like who's responsible for it? Customer retention is owned by our head of customer success, wonderful woman named love Alice. That. Um, she's from Voyage previously, another SMS provider. Love and that. so she's got her cadre of customer success managers and Recart does it a bit different because we are really for, for our scale plan accounts, which is basically paying over a grand per yep. month, which is basically everyone of any size who's sending yep. SMS. I didn't realize yes. how high the floor was when yeah, I put yeah. SMS before right? I got there. Yeah. Uh, what they're typically doing is uh, managing the day-to-day campaigns via the customer's marketing calendar. So it's on them to be proactive and either fill in the blanks when they've got a campaign, a launch, a promotion, an event, a drop, et cetera, to have it ready, get it approved kind of thing, or to actually find the opportunities where nothing's being planned currently and proactively, again, just recommend what's going to go out. Oh, wow. And so what it really comes down to is the ability to show, on the one hand, that positive customer experience of they're on it, 
they're getting to me. Yep. They work well with my existing agency. They work well with my existing team. If I don't yep. have a team, they're the ones that are there and making sure these things go out. Right. And then the flip side of that is also really honest reporting Yep, that helps people understand because this is one of those funny things in SMS too. And it, this is true across the board. Attribution. We already kind of hit yep. on attribution. Yep. All right. Like when I was a common thread, we started that data newsletter. And I remember working with our data scientist, uh, our data engineer to figure out how do we build a model that doesn't, when we try to calculate marketing efficiency ratio, yeah, total revenue divided by total spend. How do we make sure that total revenue is actual revenue and not what all the different platforms are reporting? Yep. We couldn't figure it out for a while and it's because everybody's attributing it to. Yep. But what it takes is education. Like we've actually lost customers and then have them come back because yep. they trialed a competitor that showed them better return. But there was a there was a there's a misunderstanding of what that meant. So oftentimes they'll use extended click windows yeah. or even worse in SMS view attribution, yeah. Uh, yeah. which doesn't exist. It's yeah. not a thing. If your yeah. platform one, if your platform is telling you view attribution, you should be able to go in and turn it off. Yeah. Uh you should ask them to, or then you just got a hard default to Google Analytics last click yeah. or you know something where you're getting a different source of truth. Cause what view really means, what it really means is we sent this to someone yep. and whatever window that's sent in, if that person buys anything in that window. I did all. it. Yeah. Because you literally, I didn't know this. You literally can't measure the opens of a text message. Yep. It's technologically impossible. Yep. No, that's amazing. So is it like a pseudo managed service? Then? That sounds yes. really white glove. That's yeah. brilliant. That's it was, brilliant. Well, it's brilliant. And we don't charge more for it, but it's also, it's a necessity in that because you're paying for it. Yep. If I can send the email for free, think I'm getting basically what I get out of it and hold it for the big drops, yep. right? Because I'm paying for that next step. That's what I'm getting at. Yes, it's nice of nice us. Of okay. Yes, yes, it's nice of us. Cool. We don't charge you more for it. But it's also a necessity in that uh, it takes effort to push that channel. Yes. Right. So it's it's a two for one. We're not just good people, although we are good people. We're not just good people. We're also yeah. trying yeah, to you grow. can be you can be good people and have uh, th there's I think that's a dis uh, the difference between incentives and perks, right? Like this is just more of a perk where it's like this is part of your thing. You're not incentivized to do this, but it's awesome that not only do you guys get to make a bunch of money, but you also get to help people make a bunch of money. And yeah, so it's and not, that's not your driving force, but it's the, it's a, it's just a perk. It's a secondary knock-on effect of the, the awesome system that you set up. And the deeper someone lets us into their actual marketing life, their sales life, the better we can make that case and the better the retention is. I was going to say, I mean, it's so true across the board, do right agency, any sort of SaaS, the more access you have, the more you can actually go in. Like, dude, uh, Blendjet is one of our, our biggest uh, customers yeah. and we did a case study at the beginning of this year. And that thing culminates in a Google analytics last click graph showing Q4 over Q4 2022, 2020, oh, excuse me, 2021 versus 2022. Yeah. And that's like the crowning achievement so far. Like it's just, this just this one image of we absolutely demolished their previous platform. And I oh, can't even wow. say how loud it yeah. was. Yeah. yeah. Not according to our own analytics. According to their UTM last click inside Google Analytics, Let's that's go. the kind of money, the money stuff that I'm just like, that's so banger, and I hope it connects because that one just fires. But that's retention. 
I love that. Yeah, that's amazing, man. I, I really think, I, I think that there's, there's some, I guess the reason I asked you the retention question is, um, I think some people think that is it, it is a function of marketing. I, I think CS or CX, whatever, customer success, customer experience should probably roll into marketing of some semblance. Um, but I think product and CX are really on the hook for retention. I think marketing is really about getting people to the party, being having people be really stoked about the party, knowing about the party, wanting to buy someone that, something at the party. And then that's kind of really not where your job ends, but like getting people hot and bothered into the party is essentially bothered. for me, it, you know, if you have touchless, then you can start to take some responsibility of pushing touchless through as well. Yes. Um, but I, I just really, cause sometimes when a lot of that stuff where we need more education and marketing, blah, 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 like I get it and it's helpful. But at the same time, like, then what are these other functions for? <laughs> if, if, you know, if marketing is doing all this, like, because I think that's the big difference between kind of what you guys have as a true customer success team, customer experience team versus a customer support team, which is just purely transactional. Give me a refund. I want this. I want that. There's no relationship building in customer support. It's and it's reactive. It's reactive is such a great yeah. thing to put it there too. So I mm -hmm. love that that's the way you're thinking of retention because I think that's, that's 1000% of the path. And honestly, like that, that managed service is really clever. Like if you can make those economics work, it's that's sensational. That, that I'll tell you the hardest part. And I haven't figured out how to crack this nut yet from a marketing perspective. I think I got our, our differentiation nailed now. I know those five unique features, yep. uh, they really pop. They're in the right order. It's when people hit the fully managed service because you immediately read it as whatever other fully managed customer success, customer support experience you've had before. And it's so hit and miss. Yes. So I still haven't been able to, it's like people want to believe. Yep. They want to believe that it is what it says it is, but it's crossing that bridge in the absence of being in the room and exposing them to someone who might run and manage their account yep. for them. That's still a trick because you're just dealing with so much baggage. Emotions, they're humans. They're they humans. read it through the lens that they've, and they also read it through the lens of your last worst experience. That's just the default. Recency bias. It's a thing. Oh, for it sure. Happens. Um, what a brilliant way to look at things. Okay, let's wrap up the value add segment. We'll get into rapid fire. Last question. How do you see the next two to three years unfolding for e-commerce? There's definitely a winnowing going on right now. That's going to be- Feels like it, right? Continue. Yeah. Yeah. And people who can nail their unit economics and free cash flow, yep. who can master one paid channel along with an organic flywheel, win. One paid channel, organic flywheel. And by organic flywheel, I don't just mean creating organic content on social or for SEO. I mean the packaging and how natural is it for someone to share your product? Does it lend itself in its presentation? The onboarding to the product is really important. My yes. eyes have been open to this in a massive way, especially for anything as consumable. How do you use this thing right? Yep. And if you fumble that, if someone doesn't use it correctly, that's your fault. You didn't lead them into it in a yep. great way. So there's still this winnowing. And yet the, the normalization of the giant spike we all experienced during lockdown is still up and to the right. It's just a matter of, can you get through this survival mode period? So cut, cut, yeah. cut, efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. That's what it's about. Man, that's beautifully put. Jeff Bezos has a great line. He put in one of his uh, annual letters for Amazon where uh, differentiation is survival. 
I think that's that's Nothing. very prudent right now where like if you're growing at all right now, you're killing it. Like you it, are. it's a really, really choppy macro environment out right now. There's a lot of macro headwinds. There's also a lot of um, you know, clutching of the pearls, if you will. And so you're you're seeing a little bit of this kind of just you know, it's especially if you're in certain verticals, like if you're in luxury, you're pretty much immune to all this, but outside of like proper luxury, like everybody's like, even in, in our business, right? Like B2B SaaS, where it's like, people are looking at the line items, like, Hey man, how much value? And that that's when you're really, if you get to this place, it's, you don't want to get to this place, put it that way, where when people start doing the value to price equation, that's usually the death rattle where it's like, it's almost done and it just hasn't happened yet. You hear, you, you see the clip that you're driving off of. It's almost like uh, kind of zombie revenue in that way, right? Like you have all these customers that are still paying you, but aren't using the product where it's like, they're going to wake up one day and be like, Hey, who's using this? And then there's a seven days. So like, oh, let's cancel that. So I, I, I agree with those sediments. I think there's still, to your point, I think people that, nail operations, prioritize profit, and really get back to fundamentals, I think there's going to be big rewards for them. But I think the the days of growth at all costs have probably passed us. Yeah. I would say too, I think I would bet really hard on product assortment as being a more and more important lever to growth. That yep. than it's ever been yep. before, uh, and it's it's hard. It's not. I mean, it's there. It's it's fraught with risk. But the ability to have something else yep. to continue to sell to the people you've already acquired, yep. and then that becomes a new channel. Like a product is a new channel of acquisition as well. It's not. And sometimes it's not even fifty fifty. It's like twenty five percent upsell, seventy five percent. We finally yep. got a new thing that overlaps with the orbit that we exist in. It sells yep. to the same audience. Yeah, but uh, the the ability to differentiate um, or to improve your product mix. Yep. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, I call those cosmic events. Kind of like there's certain cosmic events that you can interact into your kind of universe or solar system, and then there's like supporting events like sales, things of that nature. But product launches are fantastic and it's a really great i've been playing around actually i need to offline banter with you about this and just playing around with like how i'm like because i'm back in this uh kind of ad seat again doing getting back no accounts and stuff like that and it's like how would i map out a year and Uh then you can look at kind of their seasonality curves do some things here and then kind of that that peak trough theory right of like okay these are going to be the cosmic peaks of like you have your holidays that you peak on you have these things that you don't control they're cyclical um, and then a product launch is fantastic if you can do that and then strategically use those product launches in the troughs so you can kind of raise that that floor that you're normally hitting because to your point, it's it's not only you acquisition channel, but um, if you do have some built up brand equity and the product is in the place of excitement, um, it usually you, you get a little bump there. Yeah, because the single skew or hero skew DNVB it, it's a it's a harder and harder model given yep. the thinner and thinner advertising margins that now exist that's why yep. i'm betting hard on those that can then improve their product mix totally Clutch. with you i i think that and then i'm also very bullish on i think there's going to be a big pendulum swing with all this ai stuff to uh physical goods i, I think it's going to get to a place of like 
having like a tangible physical thing feels like the rich people stuff. Like I, my big dystopian thing of like thesis is that all vacations for kind of like middle class and lower middle class go to like VR where you go to the Maldives in your VR headset, but like the rich people will actually still be able to experience it like in person. But that's my dystopian, uh, dystopian thesis that I hope doesn't capture. Ready for some rapid fire? Let's do it. All right, here we go. TikTok, overrated, underrated. Can it just be rated? It can be accurately rated. If it's accurately rated. Accurately rated, I like it. Okay. Do you think it will be banned this year? I don't think it will. I don't think it's going to get banned. Okay. okay, love it. I think there's too much money wrapped up in it. Yeah. I don't think it will. I think. It's, think I don't think. Do you so. think it gets acquired? No. You don't think ByteDance spends it off and sells it to a U.S. entity? No. No. Oh, I love that. I love that. Pacific Northwest, overrated, and underrated. Underrated. Let's go. It's beautiful up there. It's cold. Well, but cooler beautiful. than Austin. Beautiful and SF. And even though most of everybody in Portland wants to be Canadian, I like being a Portlandian. Yeah, Portland. Let's roll. Um, attending university, overrated, underrated. 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 Interesting. I like that. I mean, uh, listen, I, I taught. So I oh, got to fair play. Fair play. You're, you're a part of the system. You're, you're, yeah. In, insider yeah. info here, people. Uh, Chat GPT, overrated, underrated. Rated. It's rated. It's right rated. where it needs to be. All of the okay. hype around it, uh, using it correctly, it's fabulous. It's absolutely fabulous. It's going to do nothing but get better. I think, so, quick sidebar here, because me and you are both old. I think this is going to be the defining technology for the generation now. Like, kind of for us, it was like the internet and then in specific, like the Facebook news feed, like being able to advertise on that and like put a dollar in and get like six out. Like, just a Cambrian event, right? Like, just, just absolutely changed the landscape of the world. Um, um, I think if you reject the AI and the chat GPT stuff, I think you're going to become a Luddite and it's going to, you're, it's going to be the equivalent of us, somebody reading the Encyclopedia Britannica, which kids probably don't get that reference versus using the internet. Like versus I, Wikipedia, it's the yeah, next. Yeah. It, I think, I think it's going to be something that should be, um, embraced to whatever level I, without getting into the crazy philosophical stuff, I think there's definitely some knock on effects with, um, how how it impacts society but that can be all another talk for another day absolutely deserving yeah. of all of the hype and i am simultaneously i have zero worried of it doing anything that replaces aaron yep 100 percent. with that. i also do like 100 it's like, this is what i love about it it it, it never has it been easier be... in the history of the world to make media or content love it but no you make it th i think with that there's going to be a commoditization. So to your point, I think there's going to be having that um, panache or having that, you know, it's almost like the matrix and the guy get there, uh, he gets on the the motorcycle, like, oh my God, you're driving a gasoline car. It's like, oh my gosh, that was a, actual, that was a, a human written article. I think there's okay. going to be a, uh, a scarcity for it. Uh, if you could collab with anyone at Recart, who would you do it with? At Recart? Yeah. yeah. You guys get a celebrity influencer or any anybody. Oh, you I thought you meant like work with somebody inside the company. No, 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 like a, like a, a a collaboration of somebody like pimping out Recart. Who are you picking? Oh man, there's some brands I really love to. Yeah, dude, I want the Ridge Cosine. Oh, come on, Sean Frank, let's do this. He's in Austin. I mean, I'm trying to get him on the pod. and I talk to them. He's he's yeah. one of the best operators out there. That's he's... the one where I'm like. We could, yeah, I, I want more marquee brands. That's really what it comes down to. People that put the stamp of trust and the belief on us. So let's that's get, the person that comes to mind. Cause let's get those logos. Come on, Sean. We'll, we'll buy it. We'll buy another wallet. 
Uh, My whole goal is to, because he rated, he did that did great that listicle where he rated all of his tech tools. He's so good. And he's... he did like two out of five for their current SMS yeah. provider. And anyway, I was like, my whole goal this year is just to get a three out of five. Sean, if you're listening, if you're listening, get get you on the read card. Let's he go. Knows. Let's let's slang some Ridge wallets here. Uh, um, speaking of product mix, he did a, a me. He, he uh, he's one of the best operators out there, in my opinion. But his content to commerce play with buying everyday carry, I thought was just one of the most magnificent acquisitions ever. And then his ability to expand product lines. To your point of like, if you start to get pigeonholed with single SKUs, you get and especially with Ridge wallets because these are like indestructible things. Like, how many Ridge wallets are you really going to buy if you're a one wallet kind of person, et cetera, et cetera? So. The way he he addresses that, I think, is really brilliant. Listen, man, I've ingratiated myself to that dude and the rest of that crew in every freaking way I know possible. Every special card yeah. I have to play. Go Google smartest guy in e-com. Smartest man <laughs> in e-commerce. You're pulling out all the stops for him. Well, come on, Sean. That's the whole reason for that. Let's just real the, talk. Throw the yeah. man a fucking contract here, people. Um, favorite newsy. Favorite newsletter. What you got? Marketing profs by... Uh, Oh my gosh, this will be the one part I ask you to edit. Why the hell, Anne? She was so big uh, in my career. I feel li really embarrassed right now. Yeah, Anne Handley, fuck oh, me. Geez. Oh, jeez. Dude, Marketing Profs by Anne Handley, her fortnightly every two weeks newsletter is like a testament to good human writing and it's delightful every time I get it. Oh my gosh, I, I feel a little bit... Uh caught out I, I didn't even know of her and or the newsletter so i shall rectify this as soon as i log off um favorite book thinking fast and slow by daniel oh, let's go danny k or the undoing project that was just gonna say oh, yeah. which is what got me into yeah. oh you yeah. did it the other way i did it's undoing better project. it's thinking fast and slow is better first and then the undoing project because you you can see the the spectacle of incredibleness that they built so i, I went to school for economics and Oh. It, it shows you how funny like economics is as a uh, major is that a psychologist won the Nobel Prize for economics, which is actually not an original Nobel Prize. They just added it on because all the economists are like, hey, we're really smart. and We do all this fancy math. Why don't you give us a, a fun prize? But uh, great picks. Great. My great King picks. nerd out moment was this was back when I was writing for Mashable. And I emailed, cold emailed Daniel Kahneman at his at whatever college yeah. university he was at. And he actually wrote me back and we did no. like back and forth. And I got to quote him and stuff. Original what a G. Stuff. Yeah. He gets it. He gets it. Really prospect theory. The whole thing is fantastic. Uh, favorite meal and why? Favorite meal? Costco orange chicken with some like really spicy hot sauce on it at like 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night when I'm in bed. Simple man, simple pleasure. I love it. Favorite place travel to and why? Rome. Ooh. Palatine Hill. What's Palatine Hill? It's right behind the Colosseum. It's the, it's oh, in Italy. Old, yeah, yep. in Rome, behind the Colosseum, because yep. basically yep. we do the tree, go through Colosseum over to Palatine Hill. Yep. In the early evening dusk when the sun is setting and it's lighting up the world with that golden hue it was the most romantic time of my life with my wife when, when we went there it's just like dude i like curl memory up burn. memory yeah Let's it was just beautiful love it okay last question and we'll wrap up if you could have dinner with three people dead or alive fictional or non-fictional who are you bringing so there's a table for four you're sitting at the head of the table who's getting the three invites from aaron yeah okay 
I'm actually going to go Daniel Kahneman. Love. I would be insanely stimulating. Love it. I'm going to say Jesus. JC, let's go. I just want to find out. Like, yeah. Seems yeah. like a great dude. I'm more curious than I am in any sort of like esteem sense. I was going to be like, yeah, this is the historical human. Yeah. Let's talk. And I'd bring my dad. My dad let's is. Go. Dude, my dad is the best conversationalist thinker human I know. Let's go. That's a great And I'd, I'd be more curious just to see him interact with these folks and just get to meet up with my dad. And yeah, for sure. Aaron, this was everything and more, man. You are just, uh, you're my muse. You're just, it, it's it's even cooler, man, to know that you've gone through the darkness as well. I think that's, that's there is a certain, you know, badge of honor there where it's like, it's awesome. Because I, I, I will bet on, instead of, and this sounds kind of counterintuitive, but like a perpetual winner versus, or I would bet not on the perpetual winner, but the person that has failed and then won. Because there is a certain real learning in understanding failure isn't it and i know so many talented people that um can get really discombobulated if something doesn't go their way and i think that's a really uh you know sometimes a byproduct of being perpetually successful and i think that candidly too if you're always perpetually successful you're not taking enough risk yeah that's food to my soul these days yeah i appreciate that man i mean that okay how do we get involved with Recart? How do people follow you? This time is yours, my friend. Yo, go check out the new homepage. We just dropped it. Uh, it's popping. It's fresh. It's got the five differentiations that I am 99.87% sure <laughs> are all actually it's true. That's sick, baby. Go check it out. If one of them isn't, holler at me in the DMs. I'm at Aaron Orndorf on Twitter. I'm super low-hanging fruit there. Same thing on LinkedIn. If you got questions about all of that, let me know. Uh, I am more than happy to not just get a, a layup, but actually have someone meaningfully interact with a, a follow-up or a point of clarification or even disagree. Go find a mistake. I would be infinitely grateful and your friend forever. I love that. Uh, you're on the Twitters? Absolutely. At Aaron Orndorf. There's one of me. You know what? You know what you should just do? Dear, 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 dear listener, if you've made it this far, shut this podcast down. Go Google most handsome man in Oregon. Yes. That'll hook you up with everything you need to know about Aaron Ordark. Oh, and then go Google smartest man in e-com and at whoever whoever Google tells you those two people are, whoever, who knows? Who knows? Yes, I don't know. I don't know who those two people are. Let's leave it up to Google. Whoever Google tells you those two people are, go follow them on Twitter and at them with a link to one of those two articles. That would be fucking hilarious if anyone goes and does this. Amazing. And go go add at Sean Frank that he needs to change the recart. Um, dude, this, this is incredible, man. This is, this is, these podcasts are the reason why I really enjoy doing the podcast. Like your journey is so inspirational and what you've been able to accomplish and the way you think in terms of frameworks, formulas, but you also have the empathetic understanding that there's humans behind these numbers, I think is such a rare quality. Like I've met really incredible quants, but they have no idea that like leads are leads, right? goes lead mql sql close deal one loss like and there's a, there's a definitely a time and place for that but the empathy and the the precision that you bring to the way you think of marketing um and then especially at recart has just been really cool to see you blossom oh man you're the man i really really appreciate you taking the time feelings could not be more mutual the the, bro, the bromance is officially 
unionized. Um, oh yeah, can you marry people? Not technically anymore. Not technically. Okay, but you used to be able to. Yes, and I've done it. I've done it. Oh, look at that! You officiated. Well, we'll, have. we'll have the the DTC universe officiate over this this union. So consider us married. Uh, if you want to get more involved with Triple Well, we are triplewell.com. Go get some of the best analytics, attribution, all the stuff. See how you can make more monies on the Shopify. Uh, it's triplewell.com. And then we have a fantastic newsletter that goes out every Tuesday, Thursday called Wellmail. You can subscribe right at triplewell.com slash Wellmail. Um, Aaron, you're the man. I really, really appreciate it, dude. Thank you so much. Go check out Aaron. He's the man. Go check out Record if you need some awesome SMS. This white glove service is really interesting. I, I think that's something that um, you guys are going to see a lot of success with that's the, it, it alleviates a lot of the uh, uh, education issues, onboarding, etc. It, it just changes the relationship. I, I love that you guys are thinking through that. That's that's brilliant. All right, folks, make sure to go subscribe if you want to see our pretty faces. We publish these on our YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash/TripleWhale, and then we're on all of your favorite podcast catchers. And then we also have a really fun sister show called ad spend that is uh pretty much a, a little bit more tactical really get into the weeds um so go check that out there we co-host it with uh ashvin Malani. so amazing dude i think i made it through all the plugs you're the man we'll talk soon that's another row eyes in the books folks see ya